as often happens on this journey. Serendipity reigns supreme, and uh, after you've been in all these different musical tributaries of this country and beyond in the in the world, uh, you realize that it, the well just is it's an endless well of individuals who have tried to seek authenticity on the bandstand in a live setting or in the studio setting, trying to serve the song or whatever the song calls for. I get a chance today to speak to a cat who definitely was burning on the bandstand for the last half century. Uh, we are now uh, both part of the same state. Uh, he's come to Sedona, but he spent a, you know, a large portion of his career uh, you know, doing a lot of work in and around Los Angeles and on the road. Multi-wind uh, multi instrumentalist Otis Hale, welcome to the Jake Feinberg Show. Ah, happy to be here. Good to hear you, man. Um, you know, I got to just ask you straight off. Um, you did grow up in Phoenix, did you? I did. Can you talk about, <clears throat> there's this, uh, I just want to read this quote to you. I don't know if you ever knew the drummer Pete Magadini. Uh, he was a great drummer, uh, played in, with Al Jarreau in North Beach. But this is what he said about uh, Phoenix, and then I want you to riff on it any way you want. He said, sure. uh I was involved with studio work at Ramsey's in Phoenix. They were trying to do the same thing as the rhythm sections were doing in L.A. The producers Lester Sill and Lee Hazelwood were coming down to Phoenix to record. I would do some studio work and at night go out and play jazz with some of the locals. Phoenix at the time was very segregated. There was a south side, which was the black area, and the north side, which was the less segregated part of town. I spent a lot of time down on the south side because I had some friends who took me down there to hang out. Ray Charles, when I was 17 years old, I saw him at the Cauldron, Calderon Ballroom. He was playing with his octet, and they had just had the hit, What I'd Say. They played the whole night, and people listened and danced. Now, I think you might be a little bit younger than that, but can you paint the picture of the Phoenix music scene? Um, you know, I started, do you remember Mike Candelo? Well, I was born in 78, so. Uh, okay. Mike Candelo uh, had a combo at, the, at a teenage nightclub on 7th Street off of Indian School. Wow. And, uh, and I kind of got started there. Uh, I used to go down and hear him play, and then I finally asked him if I could sit in with the band. And uh, he let me sit in on a couple of tunes, and we became good friends. Uh, and then I went on from there to to go to a bunch of after-hours places in Phoenix, uh, just like what you're talking about. Right. Uh, I used to go on the south side, and and uh, there was these black after-hours. I'd be the only white guy there. <laughs> Dude, this, I mean, so are, is this like 65? This is, uh, uh, yeah, 60. Yeah, early yeah. 60s, yeah. 65, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's right. Right around this. Mags, Mags, Magadini was down in the early 60s, but he was a jazz, you know, he was really a poly, he wrote books on polyrhythms. He recently left us, but he, when he described that, uh, that scene, uh, were, were you, uh, was there a black chitlin circuit? Did you see like uh, James Brown and the Flames or, or you know? Absolutely. Yeah, so I, I mean, mean you, that, they, were, they, they came through Phoenix. Absolutely. In fact, one of the after hours I went to uh, had a lot of the horn players from uh, James Brown's band because they they were taking a break from the road and uh, and they were just hanging out in Phoenix there at the, at, and they'd play at these after hours. Don't and, even uh, tell me that Fred Wesley and Maceo Parker were hanging out. I I didn't know their names at the time, wow. but I mean. It could have been. Yeah, no, I'm wondering. I mean, at that time, were they known as the Flames, or was it was it James Brown? Like he was from. No, they were known as uh, James Brown and the Famous Flames. And the Famous Flames. That's right. Also, yeah. there was a, there was this nasty group called Dyke and the Blazers. I mean, James Dyke and the Blazers. I did those. No, you did not, dude. I did. I okay, did. see, this is the divine relevance of my show. Because yeah, I have lived. I was, I was a kid, and uh, and and I I I met Dyke, and I said, and he says, "Do you want to jam?" And I never heard the word jam before. <laughs> I didn't know what he was uh, want to make me a jelly sandwich or what, you know. <laughs> yeah. But, but uh, yeah, I got to play with them. Uh, it was before they had the hit of Funky Broadway. 
And uh, and you mentioned Calderon Ballroom. I used to go down there, and for what three three dollars, I could see PV uh, King, Ike and Tina Turner, and Bobby Bland. Let's go through. Say that one more time. Bobby Bland, uh, or I, whoever. Was I, no, like Ike and Tina, but it was like. And like Dyke and the Blazers, like Ike and Tina Turner, like that—that that would be the bill. I never saw Dyke there at Calderon, but uh, uh, hold on, Dyke. You're saying to me randomly because I think I have—I just found a couple of forty-fives of his, and I think they were recorded in Phoenix. There was a pretty big black recording scene there. I can't imagine you being hip to that, though. No. Yeah. But you're telling me, I just want to, I want to, this is really important. I need you to talk about how you connected originally with Dyke. Uh, someone told me about the place, uh, I don't even remember where it was. Oh, we got to get that name, dude. Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> it's I, all right. It was a while ago. I know. I think it was called the Rose Room. Okay. And, uh, uh, I walked in there, uh, and, and just, had my horn in my hands and uh and they asked me if I wanted to jam and I mean I didn't really know who they were other than uh they were I, I remember they were called Dyke and the Blazers. But, uh, I, I mean yeah, they I, I, I mean they were the pioneers of funk music. Well you know I uh I had a band uh called the Otis Sale Happening we worked in Vegas and we and it was before Sly and the Family Stone had any hit records. Right. We, we were opening for them at this small place called uh, Pussycat a Go Go. <laughs> and uh, and Sly uh, came up to me one night and he says, "You know, I love that arrangement of you have a funky Broadway." Yeah, I thought that was a great. Yo, story. man, dude, that's <laughs> it, man. <laughs> that is so sick. I mean, yeah, so so your band was playing, like, um, how would you, uh, was it um, Blue-Eyed Soul, like, like funk? Like, what what were you, what yeah, was... We, we were like a soul band, soul band. Uh, R&B, soul kind of band, yeah. And we did a lot of covers at that time, but after we, uh, we hung out with Sly and them, we started doing our, our own. We did our own arrangements of covers, but but uh, uh, we started doing more original stuff after that. So your did your did you ever get a, on record your version of Funky Broadway? No, that's that's unfortunate because the there was a band out of Chicago called Medora Hawk Walensky. I don't know if that name rings that means anything to you. And he uh, they were this trio, and their version of Funky Broadway is pretty it's pretty badass too. But I. Dyke was the originator of that. Um, yeah. You were, like, there's such a crossover between the blues and jazz. Um, and, you know, at that time, I just wonder the kind of, uh, you know, modal gigs that you were playing. Were you pl were you interested in playing, like, you know, reacting to, you know, the first sound you heard and just playing spontaneously? Oh, Yeah. Oh yeah, you know, and 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 in Phoenix at that time there were uh, there were a lot of great jazz players. I mean, uh, the guy that got me my first horn, which I still have, uh, uh, worked in this uh, Lederman's Music Store in Christown Mall, and uh, wow. and I used to go hang out with him. He was a real bopper, and uh, wow. uh, uh, he was like we moved into Stan Getz. And, uh, and, 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 and I learned a lot from him, but, uh, but I never, you know, these guys were really, uh, stingy with their knowledge, you know, uh, <laughs> but, uh, right. They, no, they were very wary of giving away the secrets. Yeah. Yeah. They, they very well are. And Richie Oropesa and, uh, Al, Al Satina, there was a lot of guys there that were great horn players. Whoa. Were there like was there like a bop, was there like a post bop scene there? Um, God, you know, you know, that, or was that, it just it just was like jamming? It wasn't. There weren't. I'm just trying to figure out like jazz was still 
in the mid to late 60s, it still was a fading but still popular music. And I just wonder if there, you know, I think Phoenix, um, I'm always fascinated with uh, with this whole state and, uh, you know, ultimately, like, you know, if there was relevance to uh, the, 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 you know, post, a post-bop scene of some sort in Phoenix. You know, there was, uh, uh, the, the scenes I hung out with mostly were, uh, rock and roll and R and B. Uh, uh, but there was so much music at that time and people were playing like six, seven nights a week. Right. All right. over the place, and and after hours, and and uh, Sunday afternoon jams, and all kinds of stuff. I mean, <clears throat> this uh, Beethoven soul record. Um, oh. Do you believe that, like looking back on it, was was that? Uh, um, and I haven't heard the record, but just sort of from the description, um, it had like a there was a pop. Were you committed to a pop element, or was that something that kind of got out of your creative control and went through the record? Yeah, yeah you know, this is a this is the pre uh, Otis Hale happening. The, all those kind of bands. No kinda, way! Wait, wait! You this was before. This is before the Otis Hale happening, which became Pollution and. Uh, but what you? This was after you met Dyke, though. Oh yeah, this right. I met Dyke when I was a teenager. You have any idea what you're like, sixty two, sixty three? Yeah, I don't know how I even got into these bars. You know, this is unbelievable. Like this is, yeah. I, I mean, there weren't that many white cats that were doing this. This is why it's so freaking. You were doing well, it at I, the best I mean, time. You know, yeah. it was a different period then. Like, uh, I, I, I love what, it. For some reason, I was never afraid of. Uh, of, uh, you know, I was so interested in the music and stuff that it didn't phase me that, uh, you know, it was a uh, segregation, you know, all that black and white stuff. But it didn't, it didn't, it doesn't mean it. I do the same thing as a journalist, man. And it just, it's all, we're all connected. And music is, it, it's not about like differentiation or skin color, it's about what's in your soul, you know? Yeah. Absolutely, and the and those cats are have the, some of the deepest. I mean, they're just the soul is deep, man. Um, and so you were trying to access that. I mean, was it? Was, do you remember? Is that you? You heard it on the radio, and you had to seek it out because, like, the guys in Chicago, like Bloomfield and Barry Gold, uh, Barry Goldberg, they, they had to, you know, they heard the black music on the radio, but they had to go to the South Side to learn from those masters. Yeah, well. You know, uh, it just um, it was just luck, actually. I yeah. mean, I I I, uh, uh, I started uh, hearing uh, uh, Mike Candelo and the Nocturnals, and uh, and they they work six nights a week at Jeb's. We, uh, I don't think it's there anymore, but uh, wow, we was on Indian School, Thirty Fifth Avenue, or, or just a pat or around Grand and. Indian school. Anyway, they they worked there six nights a week, and on Friday and Saturday nights they'd pack up and go over to this uh, this after hours place that they had going. And uh, I could get in at the after hours place, and uh, wow. uh, well, and and eventually uh, the band I had at the time was called the Soul Four, and we and we kind of emulated. Uh, uh, that band, uh, Mike, Kendall, uh, Mike Medco's band, and they uh, did a lot. They did like King Curtis. They were a white band, but they did like uh, all King Curtis. I love uh, this. Yeah, they did like, like Les McCann, and they did uh, 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 just uh, Crusaders, maybe. Yeah, they did some Crusader yeah. stuff, and they did. Uh, 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 they anyway. They That's had a guitar sick. player named Vern Parker, yeah. and uh, and uh, Al Patrick played bass. And these guys were, I mean, <laughs> I mean, they were just like exciting right. to listen right. to. Right. And so through them, I you know learned about different scenes in Phoenix, and uh, and still unable to play in bar or really 
I mean, I could. I I got away with it, but it was a different time. Yeah, but you were you were how thirteen, fourteen? Oh yeah. I mean, you know, when it came to the weekends, I was out. You know, all I, right. I, all I want. I mean, uh, I I just your fo- your folks were like your folks just were like he's fine. They it, it was such a different time, man. It was. Well, it was, I, was a, I was an only child, and my, you know, my mother would. You wake up at five in the morning as I was coming in. <laughs> I say, where, where have you been? You know, <laughs> grooving, man. So you, so you were bringing your, but and then, um, had you just picked up? When did you actually pick up the instruments? I, you know, I started playing clarinet when I, I, I was about eight or nine, and and. Uh, and I and I you know I was interested. I liked Dixieland a lot. Yeah. And and my my first let's see what it was uh, the the yeah the summer before high school started my eighth grade summer I guess uh, uh, I got I went to take some lessons from this guy named Al Paces and uh, and uh, he asked me. He said, for one thing, it was great it was because uh, he says, "What do you want to? What do you want to do? What do you want to learn?" Yeah. And I says, "I want to learn to improvise," you know. And so he started showing me <laughs> college level theory. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. When I was like that age, right, you know? right. Well, like, he, what, like what, like what, like what was like, like, like harmonic scale? That was that there, or like Lydian scales. You know, he would do things like. Uh, he would take out a $10 bill and lay it on top of his piano and say, play a C sharp major scale up and down without any, any tempo, no mistakes, you know, and he just put that pressure on you, right. you know? Right. Yeah. And, uh, and, and just to see if you'd been practicing, you know. Right. He also was like really doing a lot of ear training with you. Oh yeah, I mean, you know, and and then he even helped. Uh, uh, I want. I was interested in Dixieland, kind of, and uh, I was wanted to get a little band together. And one of the first bands I got together, uh, uh, we tried to do some. And he had some charts and stuff and everything. But anyway, the guy got a job at the University of Kansas left down that uh, left me crying and I was crying for it and I didn't know why. Right. <laughs> I knew this guy was teaching me stuff I wanted to learn. Did you did you uh um I want to go back to this idea but um with Sly like did you what happened to the band in Vegas? Did you it sounded to me like you were a front man. Did you get did you actually have an opportunity to record as a leader? Um, yeah, that band, uh, that band, Otis Hill had. I mean, it must have been really happening. If Sly Stone said that, that's like the greatest thing at that time. Yeah, it was. It was uh, like right then, man. See, the, uh, at that time, Sly hadn't had any hits or No, I, he was still underground, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, 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 and the funny thing about this club was it was one stage, and like all of our equipment was up there on the same stage. You know, Sly would, uh, 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 uh their, their drummer set was right next to ours. Uh, the, uh, the bass player sometimes would get on our drummer's drums and play bass and bass drum at the same time. Oh, that's so great. Oh, they were a great band. Let me tell you the story about when Bobby Darren, Bobby Darren came down there <laughs> uh, and, uh, Sly, like, a. uh, uh, Bobby Duran's band kept telling him, oh, you got to go see this guy, Sly, Sly of him. So anyway, so Darren uh, comes down there to this, uh, the club, and uh, he, he has his uh, valets uh, set up his table and the whole bit, you know, and uh, Sly comes on and starts uh, his set, and, and he's into his set and everything, and he's not even acknowledging uh, Bobby Duran sitting there. And then... And then all of a sudden, he's, he, they're in the middle of a song, and Sly jumps up off the organ, cuts the band off, grabs the microphone, and goes, Speech Splash, I would take it. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then right, it does a couple bars of that song and cuts it off, 
and points to Bobby Darren and goes, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Bobby Darren. And the place went nuts. And Darren went nuts. Darren fucking stood up and was clapping. He couldn't believe it. Wow, what an amazing event to see live. Yeah, that was Damn. So then Sly did get, I mean, you were on, I guess, yeah, that was, like, did you try to, what was the, I mean, clearly, uh, I mean, I don't know how I walked into this record, but I got, I have the first pollution record, you're not on that one, you know. Yeah. Well, you've got, you got the, uh, the, uh, when I left that band. Uh, so the way you're saying it was the one, no, I thought this was like 16, I'm just saying you weren't on this one, but is that, how did you wind up uh, going to, uh, from, I mean, Vegas, did you, did you go, did you like, I got to go to LA and, and, and actually, you know, make a, make a shot at this? Well, see, well, we were being booked by McConkey Agency out of Hollywood and they booked, uh, we, we played in San Diego and in Vegas mostly and, and we had pretty steady you know uh, gigs right there but uh where were you playing in san diego at a place called the claremont bowl damn in, in claremont right outside of san diego and uh uh that you... place isn't not there anymore but they they had a lounge in that bowling alley that, that was like all psychedelicized uh, totally psychedelicized man yeah. <laughs> no i was gonna say did you did you ever cross paths with like charles mcpherson down there or any of the sax cats you know uh i ran into some guys that were uh you know associated with uh uh gary puckett and the Union Gap. Oh, yeah. Yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah. We had a hit record right at that time. That uh, young one woman or well, young girl. or Did they had a horn section? Uh, pardon? Did they have a horn section in that band? I don't think so. Okay, okay. Go ahead. Continue. No. Uh, um, but, uh, you know, the band that, that we're playing with Sly with, we, uh, uh, we got a record deal with Capital. Wow. And uh, uh, we changed the name to Pollution. We did a, fir a first album. And then that band, uh, we kind of broke up. They stayed together. I, I wanted to make some changes in the band. And uh, they thought I was losing my mind or something. And anyway, they ended up making the same changes and keeping the band together. And I, and I joined uh, another band and uh, was the greatest thing in my life but because... Uh, and 70, I, I played, uh, with Chuck Berry huh. and got to jam with Jimi Hendrix and, uh, did a record with, uh, Earl Hooker, uh, uh, or uh, John Lee's, uh, cousin. Well, no, I want to, I want to ask you, cause that was on blues, blues way. Like how, yeah, how did way, that, yeah. how did that come together? Well, you know, when I, there was a. Okay, the 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 first the uh, first pollution album on Capitol. Right. There's a, there's a cut on there of uh, every day I have the blues, and it was one of my arrangements of that. Song. Oh man. Anyway, oh, we did a live recording at at a place called the Bank in Torrance. Oh, and, what was that uh, like, the, dude? The, the Bank, big, uh, dude. Big warehouse kind of place yeah. where they had like psychedelic colored light shows and stuff. And oh my God. Oh, this hell. You're blowing my mind. Everybody played oh. there. And anyway, when that place closed down, the owner started a club in Hollywood called the experience. Oh yeah. And that's where I jammed with, with Hendrix two nights. And, uh, and one of those nights, uh, Earl Hooker and Johnny Big Moose Walker was in there and they heard me playing with Hendrix and they wanted me on their record. And the next thing I know, I'm being—I didn't even have a car. I was, and they picked me up and took me downtown L.A. And we did this record in about two or three hours. This is insane. <laughs> this is insane, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then the, that same year, you know, in August, I went to back to Phoenix with Candelo, and we backed up Chuck Berry at JD's. Uh, what what was the band you were in at the time? 
Uh, so Mike, Mike Candela's band, uh, uh, you know, as a matter of fact, the drummer was playing with, uh, with Mike and, uh, and, and was with the pollution band. The first pollution band was the Bo- drummer with Bobby Fuller four, Dwayne Carrico. Wow. He lives, in, he lives in Tucson now. He does? Yeah. <laughs> Well, you want to, man, he's a great, he's great. You got to hook up, you got to connect us, man. Oh, I will. No, this is, this is, hold on for a second. Like, I've, like Howard Scott, the, from War, uh, talked about jamming with Jimmy at, at Ronnie Scott's, and then the next, they jammed two nights, and then the next day Jimmy died. He had Jimmy's guitar, but how? That's the same time I did. It was right before he died. You just, you were, how did it work out? Were you, you guys had a band together or you just got up there and, and, and sat in with him or vice versa? How did that work? Uh, you mean Hendrix? Yeah. Well, Hendrix was coming down to that well, that club and I was uh, hanging out at that club because I was, at the time I was like. Uh, oh my God. You got, you were hanging with Sly and Jimmy. Supporting me Holy. But Hendrix was a star at that point. Yeah, but anyway, he got up on stage one night at the, the experience. I was there, and I said, the hell with it. I'm going to sit in with Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> and I just took out my horn and got up there. Good for you. And, uh, uh, and then the second night, he was backstage, and I walked up to him, and I, I said, uh, hey, man, would you mind if I said I wasn't so rude? You know? And I walked up and said, uh, hey, you mind if I sit in with you? And he says, well, I don't like to have a lot of guitar players up there. And I said, well, I'm the sax player that played last night. And he says, oh, oh yeah, yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> yeah, that was cool. <laughs> That's so great, man. I mean, so um, basically the uh, – once you left the Pollution Band, did, did you feel like uh, that you uh, were going to be part of the studio scene? Ultimately, what was the, like – when those gigs in, in Vegas and San, Di- and San Diego ended, um, did you ever try to get into the studio scene in Los Angeles? Well, yeah, it's pretty clicky, though, but I, I did manage to uh, uh, do some soundtracks here and there. I, I did a flute, uh, uh, played flute on a, a soundtrack of... Uh, was that uh, well, it was a movie called uh, Threshold yes. with John Carradine, and one of one of the best short at the Cannes Film Festival one year that, that year, uh, and uh, you know, and different and gigs like that, uh, and that, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, you know rehearsals for an audition for a spec session. No, this is the, 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 I am so, so glad I remember, I saw this. This is my dear, dear friend, um, Howard Wales, A.B. Sky. Howard Wales, I played on their record. Yeah, the, 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 I, you, how did you wind up with A.B. Sky? Um, you know, and when we were playing in San Diego at that uh, uh, Claremont Bowl, yeah. uh, I met Howard there. You met and Howard. That's dude. I've interviewed him. I got to send you my interviews with him. Oh wow! Yeah, he sat in, he sat in with us, and uh, wow. uh, and then uh, I ended up. Wow! Well, yeah, uh, I ended up going up to Sanford, uh, San Rafael, or someplace, uh, San Leandro, or someplace that uh, that he was with AB Sky, and, and uh, yeah, right after I played the record, I, I went up there. And we got busted on the way up there. Wow. Yeah, they let me go because Howard, uh, you know, Howard told him that I had nothing to do with it. Yeah, we had a little bag of pot, you know. Oh, my God. Back then, it's just like crazy. Back in those days. Oh, my God. No, that's crazy. I I was going to say, wait, I want to be clear, though. They came down to L.A. to record and and asked you to play with them? Or or did you once... You and Howard jammed together. Then he asked you to be on the record. Well, Howard, uh, yeah, well, yeah, I'd known Howard since the San Diego days, and he was hanging around there, and uh, he sat in with us a lot, and 
and uh, we got to know each other. Then he got me uh, on that uh, AV Sky recording. And that recording, was was that done in the Bay Area, or is that down in L.A.? That was down in L.A., because wow. they were playing at the Whiskey, I think. They were playing the Whiskey, yeah, totally. So you just, so you, you were just uh, recording on that album, it, well, you weren't a, a, a part of that, that band, you didn't play live. No, no, I, play, I just played on one, one tune. Right. Yeah. When did you, uh, you know, so many of my friends today, I mean, I'm 45, and it's like, you know, so many of my friends are about to embark on, you know, month long tours and, you know, they're, they got a sprinter van and, you know, they're just, they have to wear eight hats and the gigs don't really pay any money anymore comparative to the cost of living. You may maybe make some money on the merch table, but it's really damn hard to play original music and it always has been, but it's harder than ever. I just, I just wonder if what we, what a a meaningful road dog experience was for you in, in your, in your career. Well, I mean, you know, I, I talked uh, I talked bands in Phoenix to going uh, going to L.A. and that's how we hooked up with McConkie Agency, and they'd break up. I'd come back to Phoenix, and I joined some other. I joined that uh, the band that became Beethoven Soul in Tucson at the Dollhouse. Wait a minute! Stop! Break it down. Wait, I want to go back to this. the 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 band that formed out of that uh that that first album for yeah, me. I had a band called P- the Pastels and and I talked that band into to go into LA and uh it all fell apart because we got busted for underage playing in bars, you know. And that that broke the band up and and, and they sent us on these crazy gigs uh down to El Centro and uh, wow. I moved, yeah, it was a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, and then I ended up going back to, to Phoenix, you know, with my tail between my legs and no band. And, uh, and, and, and then something came up and I joined the, with the remnants of the Phil and the Frantics, I guess they were, down in Tucson. Phil and the Frantics. Yeah, and then we, uh, that band, I don't know what they were called when they played the Dollhouse. But uh, in the interim, I had met uh, Joe Bonanno Jr. Oh. And and Joe Bonanno Jr. was like really like me, and he and then he asked me to parties and and this and that, you know, just to hang out with a local musician, I guess. But anyway, <laughs> when we played the Dollhouse, uh, the last night we played there, he came in and he said, "Hey." Get all your equipment out of here tonight. Make sure all your equipment's out of here tonight. You know, I said, oh, okay. You know. Yeah. And anyway, the next the next day we hear the, the club burned down. I don't know what happened. Wow. Yeah. He also told me some interesting things about the Kennedy assassination. Which was what? Well, in... He told me this in 1965. Yeah, this guy was totally on it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. He he uh uh he says you you know you know who killed well I don't know how it came up but he said uh, you know who killed Kennedy though or no he didn't say that he said he says I know who killed Kennedy and I and I said what <laughs> and he says he says yeah Johnny Roselli did it you know and I said. I didn't think anything of it, you know. I mean, you know, who's Johnny Russell? Right. So for years, man, years, <laughs> this uh, and until just recently, I saw an interview with Robert Kennedy. Yeah. On uh, Bill Maher had a podcast or something, and uh, and all of a sudden, out of Robert Kennedy's mouth, it was the, the words. Uh, yeah. Johnny was selling. Uh, yeah. No. Nah, you no. Nah, he was. He was on the pulse, man. You, <laughs> and then I saw a, a documentary about the assassination, and they didn't even mention the name, but the, these they had these papers on the TV screen from the CIA, and right at the top of this list is the name Johnny Rosselli. <laughs> Incredible. I'm going. What? Well, I mean, it's just, I think it does take years to, sometimes it takes that long to become more enlightened, you know? I just, do you feel like, uh, 
<clears throat> music has been um, has been a healing force in your life, and has it saved your life in, in some way? Well, it's afforded me a, a lot of great things. Uh, you know, uh, you know, a lot of. I mean, I didn't even recognize until till later all the stuff that's that all the um, amazing. Uh, I mean, I could write a book about all the, the ins and outs and oh my god, the, it's insane! Things yeah. that happen to you. Uh, so it, it, and it hasn't been easy a lot of times. It's been a, a struggle, but uh, there's been some really, really top of the line stuff happen. You know, right? Yeah, and uh, yeah, I was and that lucky. and that and that and you, that makes it worth, worth worthwhile. Like looking back on it, success. Because I was going to say, like going back to Phoenix like that. I mean, you build up some calluses after a while, and maybe you become a little more fearless. But it's also you know, I mean, it's, you got to be resilient. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it, you're absolutely right. It builds up resiliency. What is your, why did you decide to move to Sedona? Well, um, during the pandemic, uh, an, an old friend of mine who's was married to a very, very good bass player uh, who played uh, with uh, the Manish Boys. You, I don't know, or a blues band. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, uh, and I, I knew Tom. Well, Tom and I had worked in bands together, and that's how I met Wanda. And uh, and uh, they had separated, and, and they were still friends and everything. And, and uh, I'd see her every now and then. But during the pandemic, uh, right after my a, a very good friend of mine uh, that I went to high school with, I took care of. Uh, she passed away, and uh, Wanda gives me a call and asked me to, you know, to get out, maybe go hear some music, hang out. One thing led to another, the pandemic, and we uh, got together. And <coughs> anyway, we ended up marrying each other. We talked about uh, leaving L.A., and uh, and she was interested in Sedona and I was interested in Sedona and Dude, and, Mazel Tov, uh, yeah, man. That's beautiful, man. Mazel Tov. Yeah. Man. We got married and uh, moved to Sedona. Dude, it's you know, um can you talk a little bit about um you know ultimately the <clears throat> what you consider who who was the best leader that you ever worked for? Oh, uh, leader. On the bandstand. Mm. Were you always the leader? You know what? Uh, I was I, I was a leader and booked ba- book gigs and did did everything until uh, I had that band ripped out from under me, and I, that's when I said, "I'm never doing this again." Wow! I'm going to be a side man. I, I just want to go play the gigs, you know, this and that, you know, and. Uh, I kind of, you know, I, I always put in my two cents. I was always kind of an arranger attitude toward things. I was good at putting things together for bands. And uh, when I got the, the gig with the Sanford Townsend band, right. we did a lot of arranging for them. And... Uh, are you aware of that band? Yeah, I was going to... I couldn't... I'm glad you threw the name out there. It's just... It's a little off my radar... <clears throat> just because um, of the time period. It was like more like later 70s. Is that right? Uh, this was like uh, mid-70s. Wow. Yeah. We had a hit record called Smoke from a Distant Fire. <clears throat> yeah, that I have to check out. I mean, you you were... Um, so we were with- on tour with uh, Fleetwood Mac and Foreigner and Charlie Daniels and Marshall Tucker and... Were you were you uh, capable? Were there tunes that lent themselves to stretching out in your live sets? Oh yeah! Oh my! Is there are there any definitive live recordings of that band? I have some. Yes. Well, I would I love to. He- I mean, there's nothing available. I- Otherwise, I'd love to hear. <clears throat> were you playing the, like the Greek Theater in Berkeley, or where were you playing? 
we played uh, the Forum. We played uh, all the major. Rock yeah, you were playing the major places. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. We were on tour of uh, major tours. Yeah, Fleetwood. You were going international too, right? Yeah, we were all over the country. Well, and all over the world, probably. Well, no, we only went to Canada. Yeah. We didn't. We didn't go out of the states. No. <clears throat> so at at the core, there were there were tunes that that you guys would take out. Well, well, we arrange things that way, you know. Uh, it's, I mean, you know, except the tunes that, well, you know, like we'd stay to the, uh, the how the, well, you know, the the, the recording of uh, Smoke of a Distant Fire was, uh, you know, laced with uh, solos and stuff, but uh, we'd stretch out a lot on, on other tunes. Right. Um yeah, I always wonder about that that rock, southern rock. Uh you guys were not southern rock or you know, it was more west coast, but you'd be on bills with like Charlie Daniels and Marshall Tucker, you know? Yeah, yeah, well, you know, we yeah, yeah I guess I, what I'm saying is you had crossover appeal. Yeah, we yeah. uh those guys were from Alabama. They came out here with a band called the Evergreen All Stars. Oh my which, god. Uh, which became Loggins of Messina's band. <laughs> Wait a minute, dude! This, these cats, these cats were from Alabama. Uh, they were. Wow! I, I was originally from Arkansas. I was raised in Phoenix, but right. Yeah, but uh, uh, the, uh, they we recorded our first album in Muscle Shoals, the old Muscle Shoals studio on, on Jackson Highway. Right. What was it with with, with the. Uh, with with Hawk and those Hawkins and those cats, uh, Jerry Wexler and Barry Beckett. Barry Beckett, but who who was like who? I guess the band had its own band, or did they bring in the rhythm section? That famous rhythm section. Well, we, we, we were. Uh, I met them uh, playing baseball in uh, North Hollywood. Oh my we God! On Sundays, and they asked me to audition for the band because they just got a record deal with Warner Brothers. Uh. They you, were basically songwriters, and they put together a band in L.A. <clears throat> so that so they so they put in a, a band in L.A. There, they, you, you met them playing uh, on Sundays playing baseball. And yeah, a lot of musicians played ball at that game. It was a great game. Yeah, no, I, I dig it. I used to dig it a lot more, but um, <clears throat> and then. But when you went to Muscle Shoals, you you didn't use uh, uh, the, uh, the 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 All Stars, the rhythm section down there. Well, no, no, we met all those guys. David Hood and those cats. Yeah, well, yeah, we met all those guys. Roger, uh, Roger Hawkins, Roger Hawkins, and uh, met the horn uh, horn sections there. Who and were back, the horn cats there? I don't even know those cats. Guys, I mean. They, uh, I didn't have an alto sax at that time, and I wanted to do uh, an alto solo on uh, uh, "Rainbows Colored Blue," and uh, and uh, one of the horn section guys loaned me his his alto, and uh, oh, they were great people. Yeah, I'm. I'm I, they they're never so that was on the they all off the highway there, right? That old that beautiful old place. Yeah, the old studio. No baffles, right? Oh, they, yeah, well, they had a separate uh, drum booth. They had a drum booth. They had a drum booth, and then and then they had, like, little, you know, <laughs> you know, little, little uh, separators that they roll around the room, depending on where it went. Right, so the, the uh, <clears throat> but even with the drummer in the booth, because they didn't want leakage or whatever, um, no. uh, was everybody hitting at the same time? Uh, yeah, we recorded the, the tracks all at once. Basically, first take, second take kind of stuff. Was there? Was it kind of those first two takes? Well, I'm, I'm, go ahead. I'm, I beg your pardon. Would you? I mean, I mean, like, like, uh, like you mainly first and second takes. You know, you guys, you guys basically hit and got what you want, what you liked. Well, I, I don't mean to brag, but most of my solos were first takes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so sick. 
So sick. And but they laid down the rhythm section first. You know. Who was that rhythm section? Well, that was uh, you know Jimmy Varley. He was our drummer, and uh, he's he's from Austin, Texas. And uh, uh, Jerry Reitmer, who who passed away, he was the bass player. Wow. And uh, and Roger Johnson, who who as a matter of fact lives here in Sedona. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, and. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, we were talking about uh, Dwayne. Yeah. Dwayne, uh, the Bobby Fuller Four. Wait, wait. Where are we going? I I lost you for a minute. I, he was in Tucson. The he you know? the the drummer cat the drummer right drummer cat. Yeah, drummer. He played drums on <laughs> I Fucked the Love. You we got dude. You got to get down. Wait, you so you're still close with him. Oh yeah, I talk. Me and Dwayne talk all the time. Talk to him today. <laughs> what's What's his last name? Curico, Q U I R I C O. Do you? Does he play out? Pardon me. Does he play music out? Yeah, well, he's 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 been looking for some things to do, but he. Uh, he hasn't. He still plays drums. Well, no. What I'm saying is, I got to get him down to this jam session that I go to on Sunday nights. He'll oh, love please it. Please do. He yeah. Would love that. Yeah. No, I'm going to get him down there immediately because he'll love that. Um. Yeah. He go. He goes by by his first name Robert now, Robert Carrico. So, how did you guys originally <clears throat> connect? Like, as uh, when you first met him. <laughs> well, uh, the, uh, the the drummer in the Otis Hill Happening flaked out on us down in San Diego. Uh. Dwayne uh, was friends with the guitar player, Smitty, and uh, Smitty called him up in L.A., and he drove down to San Diego in the rain and, uh, and started playing with the band. That's how I met him. Wow. And uh, we've been friends ever since. That was like 67, 68. And then you guys were working like six nights a week, three sets a night in Vegas? We, uh, well, we played in Vegas. We played in Vegas after that. You know, like we we, we started doing some original music down in San Diego. But uh, finally we got booked at the Pussycat and uh, we kind of became the the opening act for whoever was headlining there. Who would come through there? Oh, the like the uh, God, the Knickerbockers. Remember them? Like Bobby Womack. Bobby uh, Dwayne's played uh, did an album with Bobby. Jesus, Womack. Bob, Bobby and I did a cosmic interview. I love that. Rest in peace, God. That guy's so great. Yeah. Um, no, this is uh, it's, it's cosmic stuff. I think that. Uh, um. Like on on that first album you were on from '67, that sort of bubblegum pop album. Like what? What made that happen? Yeah, well, that. But also, like in that sense, did they? It was sort of. Did they just drop a mic? I mean, it was a. It was definitely not. I mean, there was no formula on how to record a session until about 1976. In '67, it was totally made up. Like there, were, I don't think there were any baffles. Uh, you know that album. You know uh, how did that? Oh, it, we wanted to do some original stuff, but that, they like just took the covers. Uh, yeah, they just you know it was like uh, they took over. It was like you know uh, Jimmy Griffin, who, who was like with Bread. Right. He was a he was a kind of a songwriter producer with Snuffy Garrett Productions. Uh huh. Okay, and and so like he was getting a couple of his songs on the album, but they used them all. You know, session player. It was a. It was. I was bummed. You know. I mean, I didn't. I I, I didn't like that. I didn't like the record. I didn't like what was happening. And wow. And, yeah. Anyway, but. So you feel um, you feel like some of the a couple of the originals might have gotten some radio play, but they just went went with the safe call and it, it didn't go anywhere. Yeah, right, right. You know, one time uh, 
one time I think we did a we were doing a session. I got there early at uh, on Western on uh, Western Recorders, and uh, uh, this this little little girl comes up to me, the little lady. It comes up and starts talking to me. I'm the first one there that that, that session, and all, and she's like talking and talking to me, and I'm, I'm going yeah yeah yeah, yeah. whatever. And so she leaves, real nice, you know. And the engineer comes over to me and says, "You don't know who that was, do you?" <laughs> and with Lisa Manelli. Oh my God! <laughs> yeah, man. And what an idiot. <laughs> no nah, man, this is unbelievable. Did you cross paths ever with like, uh, you know, Cannonball or or any of the great? I mean, I I assume you probably didn't see Coltrane live, but I, I did not. But I I have every one of his records. No, I know. Well, what I'm saying is, did you see? Were you somebody that would go see McCoy Tyner, or like would you go to Dante's to play jazz ever? Or was... I went to I went to uh, Shelley's Manhole. No, you didn't, dude. Oh um, my! I, I need I, wait, wait, hold on. You'd go. You you were in a band there, or you would go? To... I, I saw a can, Cannonball Adderley there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that place was small. You know, you're you're sitting right next to where he was playing. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was legendary. Wally Hyders was above that. Um, it was a legendary. Then you and it wasn't like in modern times where the band plays a set and then there's an intermission. I mean, it would be Herbie's band followed by Shelley's band followed by Herbie's band, Shelley's band. They'd play back to back to back to back to back. So, yeah. so there was just constant music, you know. Yeah, it was. It, it, I mean, it's hard to believe uh, looking back on all that. But you know that I got to see a lot of. Great players, you know. Were you actually ever in a, uh, even? I mean, going back before the Otis Hale experience, uh, like, did you ever have a, a, a quartet or a quintet in jazz? You know, the first band I had was, uh, 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 what was the name of that? Anyway. Was it Dixieland it was, band, maybe? Stand-up <laughs> yeah. bass and wow. uh, piano drums and i played alto sax oh my god and, and we did uh take five we, we were copied a lot of brubeck stuff right yeah but yeah. you had all the trains records even when he went into that free modal period oh yeah oh dude oh see that's yeah. what i'm talking about that you did you play with any free music with cats like in your off time during that time you know the uh, no not really yeah but you but you but you understood where they were coming from Oh yeah, you know I had all the Albert Eiler records, Archie Shep, yeah, and Goldman, and, uh, yeah, I, I, oh, uh, Eric Dolphy. Dolphy was, I mean, a lot of those guys caught a lot of flack from s superior musicians just because um, they were so bored to death of the American Songbook and standards, and they were just yeah. they were taking it out. But because they took it out, they couldn't. Uh, you know, a lot of cats thought that they couldn't play changes, that they couldn't hold a gig. And in some cases, I mean, they just didn't see it as uh, where they were going in a as a professional, as a profession, music as a profession. And because yeah. uh, it was so out. But those guys did know their they knew how to play jazz. I mean, they were they were good. Oh, yeah. These guys, uh, these guys lived, slept with their instruments, you know. Right. Right. Did a lot of playing. <laughs> they slept with their instruments. Yeah, yeah. I went to I went to a jazz uh, uh, a club down in a western called the Tiki Tiki Island, I think it was, and uh, uh, was, uh Jimmy Forrest. Oh my God, guy. dude! I know, I dude, I love that sax player, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, Are you kidding me? You saw Jimmy Forrest cooking down? At... Well, they had a, a jam session on Sunday afternoons, and uh, oh, man. and the guy that introduced me uh, to Edgar and Johnny Winter was real into jazz, and he he, uh, he took me down there, and uh, I sat in, and it, I mean, you know, it was like, you know. I mean, I should. I, I had no business being on that stage. Wait, hold on for a second. What year was that? Oh, that was 
Oh, God. Come on. This is... Early 70s. I'm sorry. That is the greatest... First of all, you totally deserve to be on the bandstand. I mean, it was... At that point, are you kidding me? You totally... I thought it was 63, 73. It was 71, 70... Yeah, right. Yeah, I'm sorry. Man. I mean, so how did that, that and you you don't know who else was in the band, do you? Oh, the, I mean, there were just the, the, uh, some outrageous. I, I do. I cannot even imagine what was I going. Because these guys were. Uh, I mean. Oh my god! No, it, it's just it, it's 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 just they they kept getting stronger as each set would go higher and higher and higher and higher. Oh God! You know what? Uh, I'll tell you. I did join. I did join this band. Uh, uh, called the George Griffin Trio. Wow! And we, we played down in Seaport Village in, in Long Beach, and uh, 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 it, it was no dancing. It was just like a in a uh, a, a Jolly Roger restaurant. Oh uh, my God! And, this is and, so and great. They had a lounge and a, uh, a bar, and anyway, there was a, a Hammond organ oh and George Griffin, uh, this black drummer. And uh, myself, and I play guitar and sax and flute, and we packed this place. Dude, wait, 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 wait hold on. What year, what year is this, dude? What year did this happen? This is the early 70s. This is the greatest story I think I've ever, I mean, I've, I've heard a lot of stories. That was the best, one of the best bands I ever played in. I mean, was that cat? Hold on, was that, was the. Uh... All kinds of great jazz tunes. Was, you know, and, and just oh, it was amazing. Was the was the Hammond player kicking pedals as as the bass player? Absolutely. Hold, see that's ferocious stuff. Oh man, he yeah, it was great. You must have been playing to the heavens, dude. That is unreal. I mean, this place like a lot of Rams players were coming. Like George was uh, friends with a lot of. Uh, oh my God, dude! Hammond, wait, wait, who was uh, the Lawrence McCutcheon? Oh my. And, uh, 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 Isaiah Robertson. I mean, and these guys. I mean, they'd come in. They're six five, and they their bodies are like springs. You know, totally, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, wait, no, amazing. wait, hold on. Who was the dude? Because oh my, I got, I got to, I got to find this. This, uh, I have, to, I have to find this immediately. Like, because you know the the guys from War. Did you ever cross paths with Harold Brown or any of those cats? I came. I I knew uh, uh, the harmonica player. Was oh, Lee playing. Oscar, yeah, dude, Lee. Yeah, Lee Oscar. I mean, I knew him real well. Oh my, dude, I, it's so crazy. I can't even believe this. Uh, let me let me let me just see here. Uh, I gotta find this. Uh... Yeah, Lee would play at that place. Place that I played with. Uh, I jammed with Henders. At the at the at the experience, right? The experience on Sunset, yeah. Um, it's, now, it's now an antique store. <laughs> that's just unbelievable. No, who was the who was the uh, defensive lineman for the uh, for the Rams? Uh, oh God, I played golf with him one day. Well, uh, yeah, I mean uh, uh, Jack. Uh, oh no, uh, what's his name? He was in a. A TV series too for uh, Fred Dreyer. Yeah, no, this um, there's there's another cat. Uh, okay. Yeah, I'll I'll be able to. So I mean, the Rams players would come in, and you guys would be just going, and it was like on Sunday nights or something. Well, no, there were no. We played there uh, five, six nights a week, mm-hmm. and uh, and they, the reason they were in there is because they. Uh, they were doing the like spring training down in Long Beach. Oh, that is so freaking classic! And yeah, so that was, I, and, I mean, yeah. On and so that was like, what else were you? What other what other kind of gigs were you, were you playing at that time? Boy, I mean, uh, I was a uh, you know what I was I was no you know who I'm thinking of Deacon Jones. Oh, Deacon Jones, yeah. Yeah. This is after that. This is at, after he There was, was also a soul singer, because uh, Harold Brown and, and and Howard Scott backed up Deacon Jones in Long Beach. This is this is going back to the mid-early yeah. 60s, but were you playing, like, like, aside from that 
gig at the Jolly Roger, uh, were you playing like folk gigs or like were you in the stu- was there in the studio or how were you singing for your supper? Oh man, uh, I was just basically doing uh, uh, you know to work six nights and driving to Long Beach and back every night. You know. <laughs> Wait, where, hold on. Where were you living? At the, are you in San Diego? I was living in uh, uh, in Hollywood at that time. Oh my God, that is an ins- and that was before the they even had the interstate down there. Oh no, it was uh, it, it was the freeway, but but I mean, still, it's just L.A. freeways even back then. Dude, that's insane that you did that every night. Yeah, every night. It must have paid a lot of money. It wasn't bad for the time. I yeah. mean, you know, I I, I met uh, Jimmy Barley, the drummer for the Sanford Townsend band, and I was starting to uh, be in a band with him and this uh, this this lady named uh, Alex Richmond, and uh, uh, and I got the the gig with uh, with with uh, George Griffin down in uh, Long Beach, and. Uh, and I had to give that up because this was a paying gig and sure. everything. Yeah, but that's how I met Jimmy the first time. Alex Richmond. Ale- Alexandria Richmond. What was her deal? She's a she's a great little blues singer and uh, yeah. and piano player. Did you ever play in San Jose at all? Uh, you know what I. It's <laughs> funny to say that <laughs> I, I I went up there. With uh, uh, Greg, uh, what was his name? Greg, Greg, uh, he was a songwriter that died just recently. Oh, I can't, I can't believe it. It's killing you, man. It's killing you. Man. But anyway, uh, we, the band just got thrown together with some great players. Yeah. And we went up there and we played on this this huge ranch. <laughs> <laughs> and and it was and you take this uh, dirt road way back in to get to it, and what it was was a party for uh, to raise money for young Republicans oh my. or something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean you know, but I mean I was just you know, some amazing players, and it was a great gig. They paid us really well, right? And, yeah, but it was up in that area. And uh, another gig I played up there was at, uh, with Alsta Haley. Uh, and uh, Snuffy Walden. Snuffy Walden. Snuffy Walden. Yeah, he was a guitar player in that band. We did a lot of showcases. For, uh, Is Alan Snuffy Alan. still around? Yeah, Snuffy's around. He's uh, he's been playing. Uh, he's been sitting in with Teresa James. Dude, I would love to talk to that cat, man. That's un. Oh, Teresa James. Uh, and the Rhythm Tramps. Yeah, no, uh, that's uh, my boy, uh, dude, Terry Wilson, dude. They're good. Uh, d- they are, they're great. I've inter- I got to send you that interview. You're going to love that. Snuffy no, was playing in that good. band. I that's- love that band. Um, did, were you someone that recognized, or were you, uh, you know, the, you know, the, it was interesting. Weather Report didn't have a guitar player, and had a lead a lead sax player. And the rest of those fusion bands, uh, Return to Forever, Mahavishnu, uh, you know, they um uh, they were they were more uh, guitar keyboard heavy, uh to a degree. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, did you go see those bands ever or did you did you ever cross paths with those cats? I I I cross paths with a lot of people that like that kind of stuff. Yeah, and I and uh, got me into it too. I mean, uh, uh, did you go see any of those bands live? Like a seminal experience with? Because I mean that, I mean seeing uh, as for drummers, weather, yeah. weather report once. Yeah, yeah, and uh, uh, the er, the original band or later incarnation? No, no, that was the original band. With Miroslav Vichuis and uh, yeah, yeah, correct. Holy cow! Yeah, uh, that must have been in a small place. Yeah, it, I can't remember where it was. Yeah, I might have heard them even at the, might have been at, even at the whiskey. Wow! But I mean, I, I was 
hanging with a drummer then uh, named Robin Myers, who uh, who was uh, with a kind of a this uh, what was his oh some guitar player named Ibicus who uh, who was into like a Jeff the blow by blow kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Is there anything that you still want to do in in your life at this point? Well, sure. Uh, uh, I'm constantly like playing, writing, and wow. And uh, because I play a, a variety of instruments, I'm still setting up my studio here at the house. When did uh, we hold on? When did you move here? <laughs> oh God, we've been doing it. Uh, since off for the past year, yeah, for okay, yeah, you you've been there for a minute. All right, yeah. No, I mean, just it's uh, it, it it's 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 great to connect with you, man. Like we'll definitely uh be be catching some hangs. Yeah, great. And uh, much love to you. Uh, I'll, I'm gonna put this up later tonight, but I uh, yeah, man, you've lived lived a cosmic and very uh uh you know, sort of blessed. It's better to be lucky than good sometimes. You're both, but, but, uh, but, you know, stay humble and enjoy the, what you've, you've experienced, man. It's been cool. I have enjoyed this interview. Yeah, man, definitely. I'll send you some good stuff, man. We'll, uh, we'll stay in touch. All right. All right, man. Be cool. Okay. You take care. Thanks again. Cheers, man. Bye-bye. Bye.